Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. We love to be uh, with you today. How, are you, how many are enjoying the Psalm series? It's been good? Oh, that's pretty pathetic. I hope that more of us are than that. Uh, how many, we're going to try it again. How many are enjoying the Psalm series? Hey, so uh, so just as a as a frame of reference, if uh, if it seems like um, you're not understanding, you're not tracking uh, because I can't hear you respond in some way, I might just keep repeating myself. And I don't think we want to be here for three hours on a long weekend. Okay, so you help me out, help Brandy out as we're speaking. If there's a moment that you are encouraged by, just let us know, and then we know that we don't have to keep circling the plane. I am very long-winded if I have to be. You can ask my kids or my wife. Um, so good to be here. Uh, we are digging into uh, Psalm 105 today. Psalm 105. Uh, so if you have your Bible, your analog. Bible or your digital Bible on your phone, something like that. Um, gonna in uh, if, you, and if you're taking notes today, the the title of today's message would be "Remember When." Dot dot dot. Remember when? Fill in the blank. Whatever. Um, hey, have you had you know that game that you play um, when you're in a group of people? It's like if you're ever stuck on a desert island, what are you gonna bring? Well, like if you were, if you got stuck on a desert island, what would you take with you? You know, have you ever played that game? Yeah, yeah. It, it's really telling to see what types of items or people or things a person would choose to bring, right? It tells a lot about their character, about their uh, their priorities, right? You might have somebody say, "Oh, I would." I would uh, get a, a helicopter, huh, huh, huh. then I can fly over whenever I want to. Someone who thinks that they're pretty funny or clever, or someone might say, oh, I would bring some tools so I could build a, sh- build a shelter, or somebody may say I would have my one type of food that I can always eat, or someone would say I'd bring a best friend, and other people, I guess, would say I'd bring my favorite book. I'd, I'm not a huge, like, avid reader like that much, and I think once I finish a book one time, I'm not going to keep reading it. Anyway, that might be you. You might be that person. Someone might just say, I'd bring a hammock and I'm chilling out on a desert island because I'm an introvert and that is just how I like it, you know? So it tells a lot about a person by the types of things that they would consider are their greatest need. Uh, When we're going into Psalm 105 here, uh, it reminded me of that because David is uh, David is calling out to the people and he's showing every, he's kind of really showing his cards on what he cares about the most. Okay. So a little bit of backstory. This Psalm was written at a time when the Ark of the Covenant, so the Ark of the Covenant was a, is essentially a box. Is this fancy box that God commanded the Israelites to fashion. And inside there was the 10 commandments. There was actually a little sample of the manna that was in the desert that they stuck in there. And, um, and there was uh, Aaron's staff was in there as well. And that's what we, we know that those things were in this Ark of the Ark of the Covenant. Have you ever watched Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah? You know? Anyone? No one? Someone? Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't exactly like that, but it's true. We don't know where the Ark is now, so it's this mysterious kind of thing. Anyhow, so the, but the Ark of the Covenant wasn't just a box with a couple items in it. What it represented was God's presence. So all through the desert, when they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, they would bring the Ark of the Covenant with them, right? If you think back in the history, uh, when they would 
when Joshua brought the children of Israel through the river over to the land of Canaan and they they circled Jericho. They had the ark with them. The priests carried the ark. It was this representation of God's presence with them, right? So so the ark held such a, a, a central point to the people of Israel, the Hebrews, as they traveled everything. It was their identity. It was the center point of their worship. If they're not If the ark isn't coming, we're not going because we're not safe because that means God's not with us. That's how they would have equated it. So in this time, David is is king. And uh, after a bunch of battles and everything with the Philistines, remember David killed Goliath. They were at war with the Philistines for years and years. And there was one point where the Philistines actually captured the ark of the covenant. Okay, so uh, they took it with them, and you can, you should really read about it. You can read about it in First Samuel. Uh, there's there is a, a, a ton of interesting stuff that happens around that. But essentially, what happens in Psalm 105 is this Ark of the Covenant. We the Israelites have it back. They've recaptured it. It's a great day. They're bringing it back, and they finally found this is going to be the best time to bring the Ark back to Jerusalem. Okay, back to the city of God. It's almost like this big family reunion. This moment where David is celebrating, and he sees the Ark coming down the street, and it's being hauled by on like a, a cart. And they're carrying it, and he's just so excited. He's pumped. He's like, he's out there, and you've maybe heard the story of David like dancing in the streets, and it's and he like he had stripped off some of his clothes. He wasn't fully like naked, but he was uh, he was not exactly what a king would wear. He was not being very dignified and royal because he he showed his cards. He was like, hey, if I'm on a desert island, I'm taking the ark with me. You know, that would be his answer, right? So he is out there. He's excited. He's dancing. And out of that moment, that joy, that excitement comes this psalm where David is saying, it's coming. Hey, everybody, get on your feet. Let's dance. Let's get excited. Like if I'm going to translate that to modern day and I think about if there's like social media, I'm like David would be on all the platforms, okay? Like it would be on Instagram, it would be on Facebook if he was super old. It would be on like a lot of things. My kids tell me this, like mom, Facebook is for old people. Okay, okay. Um, It would be on all the things. He's so excited. And so the first few verses, he's excited, like calling everybody, like, do you know how good this is? This is so awesome. God has been so faithful. God is so good. He's excited. And then he goes into verses three and four, and I'm going to read those. And he says, one translation says it like this, glory to his name. Let the hearts of those who seek and require the Lord rejoice. Seek and deeply long for the Lord and his strength. Seek and deeply long for his face and his presence continually. He knows something about Yes, this Ark of the Covenant is coming, but what that represents, he knows something about that. He knows that uh, God is his essential need. He knows that as we're as he's praising him, as he's calling people to praise God, it's like we can call on God's name. Let's not just praise him, let's seek him. When we seek his strength, we seek his intervention in our external world, in our hearts, uh, in our lives, in our bodies, in our circumstances, in the people around us, like seek his strength, his God's ability to, to intervene and then rejoice because he'll do it. He'll, he will intervene, rejoice because he'll do it. And then in the next verse, he says, um, seek and deeply long for his face and his presence. So whether circumstances and requests go our way or they don't, God's relationship with us, his presence with us kind of trumps it all. He's continually with us, and he's always developing spiritual maturity in us. 
And so it's like David's excited, and then he's like, seek God, seek his strength, seek his intervention in your lives, seek his face, because his presence is with us. Seek that too, because now we're remembering more about who God is, and it's like flowing out of him, it's bubbling out of him. His intervention in our lives externally, his intervention in growing us and giving us the ability to navigate our life. Rejoice. He's saying, celebrate, be excited. God meets our needs. He meets them. He's good for it. Like, seek him because he'll follow through. He's good for it. And then he goes on and starts talking about history. And I don't know about you, but I, like, I'm reading this, and I'm like, okay, he's like, it's coming out of him. He's like, let's just, okay, let's start from the beginning. Like, this is where God started working in Israel. And he recounts all these events. But I also read that, like, guys, like, are you not getting it? Like, no one's as jacked as I am. Like, I am pumped. Like, do I need to? Okay, it's okay. You're not getting it. I'm going to spell it out. Let's start from the beginning. So one of my kids, so we have five kids. And uh, one of them often, when telling a story or recounting something from the day, like, really, it's just very important to her to give every single detail. Like, every single detail. So it's like... And I love her for it. Like, it's one of her best qualities. She's just very particular and precise and disciplined and amazing. And uh, she also has an incredible gift to make a situation that would be accounted for in two sentences 12. Like, it's incredible. So it's just like, you know, it requires some patience. And I have to just, like, really listen and engage to the whole thing because it's important to her. And this is sort of how I think of David. He's like, okay, like, are you getting it? Like, the ark is coming. God's presence is coming. It's being returned to us. God is setting us free. We're seeking him. He's answering. Okay, you're kind of with me. You're kind of not. Let's just start from the beginning. And he begins going through a whole bunch of different things. And what's interesting is just the importance of to David about telling us to remember, recall, identify God's works, not just in our past, but in our present. Notice the things he's doing because that leads to thanksgiving and joyfulness and worship. It's important. And he gets that it's important. And he's calling us to that. And it's interesting because throughout the entire Bible, that is the theme, is it not? So like in the Old Testament, the Bible is talking about like when God does something for the nation of Israel, it's like erect a monument so that you walk by that city and you always remember what God did. And then in the New Testament, it's like Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's often referring back to things in the past. And he's also pointing out what he's doing now. And even then, sometimes the disciples are having a hard time understanding what Jesus is saying and remembering and identifying what God is doing. Like it's not always clear in there, but Jesus is still calling them to notice the things, right? And then you go to the letters that Paul wrote to the churches, the early church, and it's all about give thanks to God. Look what he's doing. I'm so grateful because when I've had a lot and I've had a little, God has been faithful to me. And it's about recalling and remembering. And then when you go to the book of Revelation and it's talking about the end of our time on this earth, then it's still saying, remember, and it's a call to the church, to, to those that believe in Jesus, to remember who he is, and not just to the people who believe in Jesus, but that Jesus's name will be made known to everybody, whether you know Jesus or you don't. God is the creator of all of heaven, and he will be praised. And so let's remember, like, let's remember all the things he's doing. And then for eternity, what do we spend our eternity doing when we're with Jesus? Out of response to who he is, we are praising we're worshiping and that is the same as recalling and remembering and identifying and being thankful for 
So there's a lot of stage time given, a lot of words in the Bible given to the idea of remembering and being grateful, but also just identifying and noticing what God has done. Why? Because it's important. Why? Because I think it's hard for us. I think it's very easy for us to struggle with this, and I think that's why there's just that repetition over and over to remember. So why? Why is it so hard to identify what God is doing? Why is it hard to look back and be thankful? Why is it hard to recount? Yeah, I think there's a few reasons. Um, I think there's a few reasons why it can be difficult. And even in verse in verse four, he says, uh, he says, look to the Lord and His strength, seek His face always. Verse five says, remember the wonders He has done. And then it comes back in verse eight. It says, He remembers God. He remembers His covenant forever. Okay, so that's a good little teaser. It's like, okay, this is why. Like, God hasn't forgot about you, firstly, okay? So let's just, let's remember that he remembers, remember, okay? Uh, so, but one, I think one reason why we can forget to, uh, to look to see what God has done is really simple. Uh, we get distracted. I think we get distracted. We, distraction is a powerful thing. It can take us from, uh, from doing really good tasks. We can get our head down, and we kind of can, there's an old saying that's, you miss the forest for the trees, Right, you can get caught into what you're doing so much that oh yeah, I kind of forget the why. I kind of forgot what I was. What, what was I doing again? Uh, so when Brandy and I first got married, we've been married for 13 years, and um, and uh, as as every stage of a life that I've transitioned into from child until now, I've felt like I think I'll be probably pretty natural at this next phase, which is uh, probably blind optimism by me. And I got, I got into this being married phase and thought I was going to be amazing at it and thought I had pretty high capacity. And I found when life gets complicated, it's so easy to get distracted. So I remember one time Brandy was working. We we're both working different jobs. And I thought, I'm going to be a great husband today. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get supper going. And then I'm going to go pick her up from work. She's going to come home. I'm going to make, make some food for her. It's just I'm so romantic. I'm going to be great at this. And I got going, got my things. And of course, I'm like kind of misjudging the amount of time it takes. And, oh, shoot, I'm looking at my clock. Okay, I got to go. going to go pick up Brandy. Went and I got her, picked her up from work. Such a great guy. Uh, she hops in the car. How's your day, sweetie? Oh, yeah, just here we are adulting and driving home. Got into, got into our apartment and we got into the apartment, the bottom level. Man, smell something? I just have to intervene here because our first apartment that we lived in was not in like the nicest part of town. And so like coming in and smelling something weird was also not like very, very out of the norm. Like this may have been a little bit of like the natural way things have gone. Fair. That's true. Fair. So it, it, had, a, it had an odd smell all the time, but this was a, a familiar odd smell. So going, going, we're on the third floor. So going up the stairs and it's getting stronger. It came up, up to the bottom top level and it's like, that's a little bit cloudy up here. It's like somebody's like burning something. And I got into my, got into our apartment and that's when it dawned on me. I'd left the rice on the cooktop. For, I mean, I don't even know how long you, I still don't really know how long to cook rice for. I kind of just do it until it looks right. 
and feels right. Um, so I, I got in there and man, our, one of our new pots that we got for our wedding was completely charred just with this thick layer of burnt rice. And so making matters worse, I took it outside to get it out, get the smoke out of the house. I put it on our deck, which then eventually burnt a round hole on our vinyl deck. So it was just, it went from bad to worse, really. Um, but it's, it's so easy to get distracted. We can, we can get into this mode of got to do these good things. It can be good things. It can be bad things. But if we get so distracted that we're forgetting to remember where our source is, what, why we're doing it, the fact that Jesus wants to go with us in every day and all the tasks and everything, if we get so caught up in our stuff that we forget what God is doing in amidst it, uh, we're missing it. And it's hard to remember what God has done when we don't leave space for it right? When we allow ourselves to be so full of stuff that we forget to leave space. Uh, Interesting quote I I read, somebody said, distractions make life seem way shorter than it is. Isn't that good? Distractions make life seem way shorter than it is. And I think that's one area that that we struggle with to remember what God is doing when we're distracted. Yeah, and I think another reason might be very simple like we have difficulty identifying what's God and what is not and so it's hard to be thankful for something when we feel confused so maybe that's because some people in this room maybe for you you don't know who Jesus is yet or if you just are here with questions or you it's a long weekend and you came with a family member or friend and so there just isn't an understanding of that there isn't a relationship with Jesus you don't know those things or maybe it's because sometimes it's like we pray for something or we ask God for something and it doesn't happen, right? And then it's like, well, does that mean that like that's not God? And then it like throws you off, right? It's like, so if like God, if I ask for things and then like God, I, okay, Lord, help me have a parking spot. Like I have to go into Superstore. Like I really like just need a parking spot. And like some days you get it and some days you don't. And it's like, well, was that God? Like, I don't know. Like, and it's just hard. To, and that's a little bit of a funny example, but we can kind of be like that, right? Like what is God? What isn't? What am I supposed to even be thankful for? I don't know. Another reason I think about why it can be difficult is sometimes we can say, oh, like, I'm just not that kind of person. Like, I'm not an optimist, and it's hard to just see the good things. Like, it's hard. Like, I just, I don't think like that. So here's the thing that's interesting is that Joel and I are very different. Joel is an internal optimist. Like, honestly, our house could be burning to the ground, and we are in it, and he, with rice, We could be in there and he'll just be like, you know, I think it's going to be okay. Let's just talk about all these great things. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm like, ma, like we got to get the kids. We got to get out. It's smoke. Like, ma. And so when we've gone through hard things, it's interesting to see our stress response and how different it is. Like Joel will be like, if he's feeling low, which doesn't happen often, but we've gone through a lot of hard things. And so when that's happened for him, he'll be like, like his low will be like, Maybe he'll be a bit more forgetful or whatever, scattered or something, or not as motivated, but he'll be like, if you were to ask him, like on a scale of one to 10, like where is your morale? He would be like, it's not very good. It's like a seven. (laughs) Like what? 
like, and my stress reaction is like go mode. Like I'm like, just get the things done. Let's just power through. We're just going to like learn all the things we can learn. Let's overcome. But then my feeling, my morale, I'm like, my low is a low. Like it is a low. And then when I'm living with that, it's like the comparison couldn't be further away from each other. Like I'm like, well, guess we're failing all of life. I guess everything, what is a good thing? I don't know. What does that mean? Like my, like we are just like very different, you know? And so it could be easy for someone like me to be like, oh, it's just not my personality type. It's just not like when I do an uh, Enneagram, like that's just not where, like I'm just like not really good at that whole like identifying the good and things that are happening. Just not good at that. But what's interesting is the Bible does tell us that as we're grateful, we worship. And as we worship, we trust God. And that trust, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So trusting God and following Jesus are actually synonymous. So whether it's your personality or my personality or not, the discipline of it, the learning to do that, the identifying of it, all of that isn't really an option like that is the byproduct of knowing who Jesus is it goes together it's hand in hand isn't it so there's a couple a couple ways that we that we tend to forget and I think another way that we that we can tend to forget is um, when when it's different when, when it's different than what we expected right when we might be disappointed uh, in saying, God, I, I wish that it would turn out this way and it didn't. Or I asked for this and what seems like you didn't hear me, Lord, because I, I did ask for this thing and you gave me this other thing instead. And, and although this other thing may be helpful in some ways, it's not exactly what I feel like I want. And then we kind of write off the thing that he actually did give us. Right, the Israelites were in the in the desert, and they they said we need food. So God gave them manna, this wafery, sweet little cereal kind of thing, uh, and He gave it to them every day. And then after a while, yeah, well, we don't have any meat. Okay, so will you ask for meat? Sure, I'll give you some meat. Gives them that, and then oh well, now we need more water. And sure, okay, go here, we'll do this, we'll get some water. God is continuously meeting needs, but um, but I think if if it's not if He's not on our beck and call, sometimes we feel like uh, he doesn't really care or we write off what he's actually done and we tend to forget. When I, when I was uh, nine years old, my ninth birthday, uh, I, I still enjoy getting older every year. I kind of like, hey, sweet, it's another year older. That's fun. That's different, whatever. Uh, but I got, when I turned nine, I was so excited. We were up and we we're living in Prince George. And got this, uh, my, my ninth birthday, really excited for, obviously, for presents, as nine-year-olds would be. And I remember unwrapping this present, uh, and, and I looked at it, and it was this game that my parents got me. Now, when I was younger, I didn't love math, okay? So math was not my favorite subject. My mom spent a lot of time with me uh, trying to understand math and trying to be creative in how she explains it. I'm okay with it now, but it took some time. I'm a bit of a late bloomer. Uh, so we got, so, but I opened up this present and it was this board game. It was like a Scrabble math combo called Smath. And... And it was like, instead of doing letters on the board, you're doing equations. And then it's like, oh, you did two plus two equals four. I'm going to do four times eight equals, I have my, and you get the idea. It wasn't rocket science. However, um, 
not exactly what I had expected to open on my ninth birthday was uh, we're my birthday's in November. We're just leading into the Christmas break, and guess what you get to do over Christmas is like a fun math game. Uh, not exactly what I had hoped for, and it would be so easy for me to kind of block that present out in my mind and be like, oh, my parents didn't even care about me, didn't get anything for Christmas. Well, I got this thing, and it was it's a funny example. My parents were trying to be helpful as well as try to make learning fun, but you get what I'm saying? There are moments when we, when we get something and we take it as like, that's not what I would want. Uh, nobody even cares for me at all. And we can throw it in and go to that to that other extreme. We can get we can feel so entitled sometimes that we just miss what God is doing. And that kind of can block us out. So it sounds it sounds harsh, but I think in in reality, if we were to look at our lives, there are moments where we expected something and we didn't get it. And instead of believing that God has other plans that we we just assume maybe he doesn't exist or doesn't care. And that's just that's just not true. God's uh, God's silence isn't the same as his absence. And I think and I was talking with one of our kids just the other day about this and as we pray for things and when they don't happen how we want and when we don't feel what we are told we should feel, all of a sudden we expect does that mean God is is not working? God's not is God not even here? Is does he not even care? And, but in reality his silence sometimes is his way of draw, getting us to draw a bit nearer because we, we, we ask and we want quickly, right? Ask, where is it? Where is it? We're an instant culture. We're instantaneous. And if we don't see it now, uh, we expect that it's not there. And sometimes God's just want to shh, 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 shh. Just wait. Just wait for a second. You're not ready yet. You don't know what is coming. Just shh. And I think sometimes when we still ourselves and we don't expect that we know what is best, we just let him let him speak to us and let him provide uh, in his way. And it's not always easy to take. And truth is, sometimes we still have to work through the feelings of being disappointed. But his silence and is not equal his absence. And so kind of three camps we talked about, right? What were they? Being distracted difficulty identifying who God is and what he's doing or what he's not doing. Or we're expecting or looking for something different than what we're getting, and then then it's hard to see God in that too. So a few things that I think can help us get better at this is firstly to know that the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from God and that in him we live and move and have our being. And so the ability to get up every day is God giving us breath, every good gift. What are those good gifts? Some of those things are, and this is what David is talking about. He's giving some examples. Some of those good things are when God intervenes in our circumstance. He gives us that instantaneous answer, like I'm praying for healing and I received it. I'm praying for a visa to come in so I can stay in the country and I got it. I'm praying that God would protect me, protect me in this traveling, and he does. It's like those are things that are God, and those are things in the moment that are helpful and boost our, st- our strength and our faith and bolster us, and those are God. And in verse 24 uh, in Psalm 105, it says, There the Lord increased the number of his people and made them more powerful than their enemies. They became overcomers. They became more powerful than their enemies. That's a miracle, and that's God at work. They exhibited in verse 27 his wondrous signs 
uh, among them. So he's talking about uh, the Israelites when they're still slaves in uh, Egypt. And he says, great miracles they did in the land of Ham, which is, which is Egypt. But then, and if we're honest, we don't live every day with those big miracles that are happening instantaneously, you know? Like that's not, it's like when you read a history book and it tells you like, it just like lays out so nicely like 500 years of history and it's like, wow, this must have been a a very exciting 500 years. Like it's like one big pinnacle to the next, to the next, to like something dramatic and terrible to the next great thing. But like it doesn't account for all the in-between time. Like we're not talking about like, and then they got up and for 10 years, nothing was different. Like that doesn't feel noteworthy, right? But that is so much of where we actually spend our lives. And God is working in those times too. He's working uh, in, in us, like in our hearts. And I, I, love, I love the way uh, verse 19 is written. And it says, until the time came to fulfill his dreams. He's ta- so we're talking about Joseph. Joseph is a character in the Bible. He was sold by his brothers into slavery. He had this dream of his brothers bowing down and they got mad at him and sold him because he shared that probably a little bit arrogantly. And then he became king, or not king at first, but he became like a man of power. And, and so at this time, this verse 19 is saying, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character in one this translation describes it as like testing his character and refining him. So in all that in-between space where there's not the dramatic high highs and the big miracles that are instantaneous, the things that feel big, God is refining us and he's growing our character and that's a miracle. That's God at work. He gives us the ability to steward God's blessing and favor in our life, in our businesses when things are going well he gives us the ability to uh, wisely navigate challenges around us and guys he gives us and I think this speaks to all of us at some point in our life he gives us the fortitude to stand when wind and waves and desert sand are pummeling us he gives us the ability to stand and that is God at work and so if ever we can't know what God is doing oh man we've all been through some hard things and God has sustained you, whether you recognize him as your sustainer or not, our ability to do that because that is a good gift comes from God every time. Uh, and so while we're living kind of between what we've asked God for and waiting to see how that translates, like there's no time wasted. God is faithful and unable to be stagnant. In verses 39 through 42, it says, He spread out a cloud as a covering and a fire to give light at night. They asked and he brought them quail. He fed them well with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It flowed like a river in the desert for he remembered his promise that he had given to his servant Abraham. He gave a cloud in the heat of the desert to the Israelites while they were wandering in the hard spaces. He gave a cloud, not just a cloud that just covered them, Actually, like we scholars would believe that it was like a cloud covering everywhere. So it's not like they could take a wrong turn and step out from under it and then be scorched. It's like it is big and it is over it all. And that cloud covering protected from being scorched by the sun and falling asleep and never waking up. Like it allowed them to continue going on and on. And then God gave fire by night because the night is scary because we're blind because we can't see because animals came out at night and insects. And God gave a little bit of light so we could see just enough. They could see just enough to keep on going. And that's God 
at work for them and for us every day in our lives through all of the things. He supplied them with manna, like Joel said, from heaven, so gave them the thing that they needed physically to survive. But then they asked for something more, and God is good. And he's like, you know what, I'll give you that too, because you asked me, and I love you, and I'm going to supply that for you too. So when we have those things that just feel kind of like a bonus or an extra, I feel like that's God at work too. And then he opened the rock, and water gushed out. It flowed like a river in the desert. That's such a profound picture. Here they are needing water. God provides water for them out of a spot that they maybe wouldn't think to look. And not only did he provide water, but it's like it says it gushed like a river. Like, how many of you have been to a beach with sand? You know, like when you're a kid or you're like us playing with their kids, we're like dumping water to build a sandcastle. And what does the sand do to the water? It just like sucks it all in, right? And so you can see like a little bit of where the water was, but it doesn't take long for it just to sort of dissipate and be gone. And you're back just to the sand, right? But this imagery is actually not that at all. It's like the water gushed like a river in the sand. It didn't get swallowed up. It didn't go away. It didn't dry up. It was there and obvious and clear and available, available for us to like draw into and, and just to remain constant for us. And then finally, for he remembered his holy promise given to his servant Abraham. God doesn't forget God is unable to change. And so when we're looking at trying to identify what he's done, you look at all the good things like we just talked about through the high highs and the low lows, the things that he's intervening in our lives with that are practical and the things that he's developing in us. Oh man, like if I think about when I was in college, I thought I could not be busier. I'm like, I'm going to school. I'm doing classes. I'm working like volunteering like I can't imagine being busier because that was the full extent of my capacity at that space of my life but here at this space of my life I look back at that and I'm like oh that's cute <laughs> that's cute but it, that was what I had capacity to do then and my capacity is different now we do different things now that is God at work he is good every good thing comes from him every single thing Just in uh, in closing, it's uh, I want to read this last couple of verses to you. It says, Psalm 105, verse 44. Sorry, verse 43. He says, He brought out his people with rejoicing, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. He gave them the lands of the nations, and they fell heir to what others had toiled for. What they might, that they might keep his precepts and observe the laws. Praise the Lord. It's almost coming full circle where, where David is saying, he's saying, remember when, remember when God brought us into the promised land, that land flowing with milk and honey. It was, it was this oasis, this garden-like area after they'd gone through the desert, being brought into a garden kind of sounds like when God brought Adam and Eve into a garden, doesn't it? It's this full picture of this God saying, not only am I going to provide a great place for you to be, but I, I want to I dwell with you. I want you to have your needs met. I want you to be comfortable, and I want you to be taken care of. Not comfort for the sake of, of just putting our feet up, but, but I want to take care of you.
and God is God remembers and and I think in uh it's important to remember that without without stopping and recalling what God has done uh that's when our worship stops our worship stops our dependency on him stops our peace stops because then we're working for ourselves we're striving we're trying to get done what we need to get done and we forget what God has done. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.